Richie. Hi, Sin. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we have some very special guests with us today, Richie. Do we? <laughs> well, I see my audio tracks on Zancaster. <laughs> my God, it's true. <laughs> so we have vodka and Lacey with us today. Hi, hello, it's me again. Do you guys want to like introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and where can people find you on social media and such? Do you want to go first, Amy? Ah, uh, no, you can go first, vodka. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, hi, I'm vodka. Um, I float around the Soulsborn Twitter sphere a lot. I draw sometimes. Twitter at uh, Vodka Volley BB if you want to see me shitposting on your timeline. <laughs> you also have a dedicated uh, Twitter for your art as well. Oh yeah, the one that I never update because I don't draw anymore. Um, that is just vodka f- at Vodka Volley if you um, want to check out my art. And I'm also on Tumblr, but I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. Tumblr anymore. <laughs> You're on DeviantArt as well. Oh, that's true. Yes. I keep forgetting DeviantArt is a thing. Oh, shit. I shit post on Twitter, which my handle is AstroLace, and it's basically the same everywhere you go. It's like at the name of my YouTube channel, in which I do weep stuff. Loads and loads of weep stuff. And on my Twitter, I am shitpost, like there's no tomorrow. And sometimes I make very good lore, but that's on the rare occasion. You also do good music covers. Yeah, damn right, I do. Well, thank you guys for coming. And uh, today we're going to talk about war. What do you want to know? Richard, why did you teach her this? <laughs> it's like a toddler that's learning new words. Like, bah, bah. I know, I'm, I'm so glad I have children. Her mind's already formed and I'm doing this to her. Tell us why are we here today? We are here because it is the first anniversary or thereabouts of the release of Deracine. And Lacey and Vodka are going to start a big Deracine wiki project. So they have a lot of notes on Deracine and we're going to discuss the uh, the story of Deracine. Yay! Because it's something that, um, yeah, it's it's something that I think doesn't really get talked about in the Souls community. Richie, do you want to introduce very briefly what Deracine actually is for people who may not be familiar with it? Deracine is a VR adventure game from from Software, which came out about a year ago, and it's very short and it is exclusive to PSVR. So I think for that reason, it didn't get that much attention in comparison to their other releases. It is very, very reminiscent of the Echo Knight games that they made for PS1. And um, I guess like what we're talking about here is is that Deracine essentially is completely linear in terms of what you do in it. But like the Souls games, there is a pretty in-depth kind of backstory that you pick up from environmental cues. And the VR is used to very good effect there because you can actually pick up and move items in front of your face and sort of find little things written on them and stuff. So we're going to be discussing that. Excellent. So today we're going to look at the notes, books, journals, and letters that pertain to the history of Rhone. Rhone was a academic city that um, was known for its scholars, and it was also known for uh, being a very old city that was steeped in a lot of fairy tales. And this obviously inspired a lot of people to research these fairy tales and eventually coming across uh, real fairies. And they were like, 
they wanted to see what fairies could do so they wanted a test to measure their abilities um in the course of researching these entities they found that they can manipulate time and they can manipulate life force um so they can go backwards and forwards in time but in order to do so they need to take life from one thing and give it to another um and what they ended up doing was researching how to turn themselves into fairies because they thought if we can rectify the past mistakes then uh, we'll live in this golden age where nobody has to deal with the fallout of their actions because we can just go back in time and fix our mistakes it's no problem so um, they ended up researching how to turn humans into fairies and they discovered that human adults adults in particular turn into very hungry um I wouldn't say vengeful but um obsessed with the past creatures that will just they'll just keep taking and taking and taking until there's nothing left and when the whole town ended up turning into fairies uh they just ended up consuming each other and anyone who was still left uh, they had the lore that doesn't show up on the item descriptions mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That we had to squint at a JPEG for like hours on end to try and figure out what it said. Do you want to start by just giving an example of that? Because we were talking about it before we recorded about whether his name was Graves or Draves. Um, yeah. So, like, there is an item quite late into the game. Uh, it's an unopened letter that has the name of the headmaster on it, and. We couldn't tell if it was addressed to a Dr. Lewis Draves or Dr. Lewis Graves because we had this whole discourse for about half an hour trying to work out if it was mm-hmm. a G or a D. Yeah, because what, what we're looking at is it's just written on the envelope. You have to hold it in front of your face in VR and move it around to read it. It doesn't give you like text on screen like you would in a Souls game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things are hidden like that. Like, I think that letter as well, you actually have to flip it over mm-hmm. to read what's on the back of it. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the original Resident Evil, where you could, like, sh- like move the items around in the 3D view. And yeah, um, the letter is addressed to someone, and this is the only time, I think it's the only time you ever see their mm-hmm. name. Yeah. It's the, the one chance you hear someone's name. But because of the way it was, it was written in cursive, and we couldn't figure out if the name was Graves or Draves, so we spent half an hour finding other examples of when that character had written Ooh. D's or mm-hmm. G's, and then compare them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then we started to Google uh, the cursive, like you know, letters. I try and see if there was like you know any other ways. And I think that we settled on graves because we couldn't find another example of like yeah. a letter written that mm-hmm. way. It was addressed to Doctor Graves slash Draves, and we figured that the D and Doctor looked sufficiently different mm-hmm. from the other letter. But that letter itself didn't look very much like a G. And Draves is a real name, so we just sort of yeah. Yeah, it's confusing. It's uh, like you said, it's a Rhea versus Rhea situation. Yeah, Rhea and Rhea. Again. Yeah, yeah. I have to corner Miyazaki one day and like demand <laughs> to know. Like, don't care about Bloodborne. Don't care about Dark Souls. It's like, excuse me, <laughs> in Deracine, there is a knight <laughs> with a word on it, and we don't know if it's a D or a G. Can you confirm what his name is? And he's just gonna like look at us like, hmm, I don't speak English. <laughs> So I think it's up to player interpretation. <laughs> Laugh softly. Yeah, and the, the the mysterious white blob that might be a cake is the other source of of our discussion. Ah, uh, yes, that was yes. the other discussion that we had. Yes, Roan is a subject that uh, it isn't brought up very often in game itself, but it is something that is basically the source of everything that happens in the game, like. Everything brain not work. Uh, <laughs> the whole setup is because of um, the research that went down in Rome and uh, what eventually happened to it. 
Yeah, Deracine is. So it's only. Deracine is set. Deracine is set entirely in one building and like the surrounding environment of it. And Rhone is a place that you hear about Mm -hmm. a lot. You never actually go there, and it's it um, ends up being basically that the what happened in Rhone, which is this place that is sort of vanished, has influenced what is happening in the boarding school that you're in now. Yeah, yeah, and can I come a um, massive way? Actually, uh, the stuff in Rhone is something is something that we really wanted to take. Ah, uh, look at it's because it's um so important to the backstory of like the game. The best way to explain it would be like if you played Bloodborne, but you never actually went to Bergenworth, you just heard about it. Um, that's yeah. a pretty close analogy, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we know that Miyazaki likes to just like take certain story elements and then transplant yeah. them into different yeah. games and explore them in different ways. Um. Basically, all of the characters are his role-playing characters, and he likes to put them in different uh, alternate universes to see what happens. His OCs. His OCs. Lawrence and Lawrence. Lawrence and, and Lawrence. Maria and Herman. Uh, Yulia and Yuria. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, um, think that we should go to uh, the first mention of um, Ron. Okay, so the first mention of Rhone, it doesn't say what Rhone is or where it is or even mentions that it's uh, a whole institution. It's mentioned in Margareta's diary and it's sort of hidden away in a drawer in the music hall and um, it's written as follows. A diary entry written in a warm script. Five orphans arrived today. Of course, this was in the name of our research, but I refuse to repeat the mistakes perpetrated in Rhone. They shall live in our school, and we shall become their parents and teachers. I dearly hope that we will all be happy together one day. So, it's a very vague mention of Rome, but it does hint that uh, something has happened in the past, and it wasn't necessarily a good thing, and that Margareta didn't agree with whatever happened, and she's trying to distance herself from it. Right, okay, so I like and definitely think that next we should explain who she is for kind of like uh, the people who haven't played the game and don't know. Yeah, even people who did play the game might still not know because it's all in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Margareta is uh, a character that we don't meet, but there are references, quite a few references to her throughout the game. Um, most notably, the headmaster references her a lot. She was one of the caretakers uh, in the in the orphanage uh, between her and the headmaster, and it seems like she was the one that was closest to the children. But um, we don't find out until later. But it seems that she has passed away. This isn't mentioned by anybody except for the headmaster. Quote unquote passed away, but we'll get to that later mm-hmm. because it's a wee bit weird. Mm-hmm. Um, what else can I say? She is was a scholar of Rhone. Um, she worked with the headmaster and some other scholars. There is uh, a photograph of them all together that we'll talk about later. Um, and she and the headmaster went off on their own path to set up their own, uh, I wouldn't say it's experiment, their own venture within the school. And um, then she decided, no, actually, we're not going to do any, we're not doing science today. We're just going to look after these kids and give them the best life. Uh, we're just going to play house, essentially. Yeah, we're going to play house. We're not going to do any science today. Um, that's about it. This next mention of, like, Ron happens, happens in a very, I'm like, I'm not sure how to describe it, but at this section is where shit starts to go down. Yeah, it's the part of the story where you realise it's not a nice little fairy tale anymore. Um, 
reality does kick you in the teeth. It's the part where, <laughs> when I was talking to Sin about it the first time, I said the story should have ended there, and she got very angry at me. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, same, actually. I thought that I'm pretty sure that I got mad at you for some reason as well during that first podcast. <laughs> um, so that happens during the second, I want to call it the second act, is uh, where things really take a turn for the worse, is when the children decide to venture outside of the school grounds in search of uh, something adequately human-sized in order to resurrect a deceased friend of theirs so they decide that they're going to use fairy power fairy power to (laughs) bring back their deceased uh classmate sister classmate sibling yeah one of the children dies early on and then because the school itself Mm -hmm. is uh, an outgrowth of the research they were doing at roan there's all of these academic books on fairies lying around and the children start looking through the books and they realize that the fairies can potentially resurrect this friend of theirs. So they go off and start sort of rediscovering all this Ronian crap that is just outside the sort of boundaries of the school where they're not supposed to go. And that's what leads into the the second act when things start getting very grim because they've sort of gone outside where they're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. where it's very dangerous and they've been told specifically do not go and um and can i come before we follow them into this area of like you know woods or forest which is called um rob's forest there's a, a location called rob's forest that they constantly mention as somewhere that's haunted by a fairy and then you end up in a forest that is haunted by a fairy. So I think it's reasonable to assume mm-hmm. it's Rob's forest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, um, before we step out, we find Yulia, um, sort of like, you know, crying and, um, she's holding a letter, which we pick up and it prompts her to talk to us. And as she begs us to like save the others, it's because if they go into that forest, they will essentially lose everything, which of course they kind of do. Yeah. Yulia is the, for people who don't know, Yulia is the deceased friend. What's happened up to this point is that we have been able to talk to Yulia as though she is there. But if you sort of pay close attention, she never interacts with anyone else. And then the reveal at this point in the story is that Yulia died at the beginning and you've actually been talking to her ghost. Spoopy. Yeah. I said you're pretty quiet there. Oh, I'm just listening to y'all. <laughs> listening to the sweet, sweet law. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So um, after Yulia sends us out into the forest after the kids, we sort of follow their echoes as yeah. they take a path uh, downstairs through. Mm. It's a very strange area. We've talked about this. It's like a storeroom, but it's full of very strange numbered barrels. And we haven't worked out what they're for yet. I remember us talking about it. And I, I think we we assumed that, like, because the school was founded by people who fled from Ron and they can't go back again, that it's probably just provisions to keep them going because they don't seem to be able to actually little grounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. just seems like a provision area. It's very strange. I mean, they have got a little kitchen with fresh vegetables and such, so I'm assuming there's, like, a, a vegetable garden that we never are able to access because it's not really relevant to the story, but they do seem to have fresh vegetables. Um, I'm guessing they make their own food on site. Well, you see, you see Lawrence, Lawrence doing the cooking. It seems to be mostly vegetarian. Um, So yeah, we go through the storage area following their echoes and they mention, particularly it's Lawrence and Nils and Lawrence asks Nils, like, are you sure that you saw what you saw? And Nils says, yes, I saw little new their pet mouse come back to life and i think this is what triggered um their interest in thinking oh well if the fairy can bring little new back perhaps the fairy can bring yulia back 
And then they started reading lots of very dangerous Rome books on the subject. And they got this idea into their heads that, oh, hey, let's just go do some equivalent exchange. <laughs> There's nothing that could possibly go wrong because they're children and they've never been outside of their school and they have no idea how dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they get upstairs, they go through, it's essentially a train station. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better it's word, essentially that's... like a subway, essentially, mm-hmm. because it's all up under the ground and it's mm-hmm. actually pretty messed up. Actually, it looks like it, it hasn't been used in years. Mm-hmm. It has been caved in and barred off. Well, it's it specifically, yeah, it, it looks like it was deliberately destroyed, mm. which we think is like once they realized that Roan was the source of this fairy thing that was making people vanish, they just ran. And then they destroyed all the means to get back there. And we also see in this area there is a, there's a bridge that probably used to connect to Rhone, and it's uh, been cut down. So you get the impression that, like, Rhone is sort of, it's in the vicinity, but they've, they've sort of, like, sealed it off by just removing all means to get to and from there. Just like old Yarnum. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities to World Yarnum there. Um, So once they go through the train station slash subway, um, they go out into the forest proper, which is... um, Oh, wait. No. No? Uh, Before the forest, there is a lift shaft. Ah, yes, yes. That's been ruined as well, and it kind of looks like it's been burned. Yeah, there's evidence of charred bricks at the top of the shaft, and there's a lot of, like, melted... I wouldn't say melted, but everything's pretty blackened and burned. And the elevator has fallen from its position at the top of the shaft and like crashed down way down to the bottom. It looks like it's taken the stairs with it. Yeah. And um, incidentally, Nils manages to drop his glasses down there. God damn it, Nils. <laughs> damn it, yeah, Nils. Yeah, that is a real, a real damn it, Nils moment, because I don't know what the game actually gains from just wasting your time for five minutes to find some glasses. <laughs> and you also got scared by the bats I so did. bad that <laughs> yes. you almost fell over I did fall over so I was um, on my first playthrough um, I had the echo of Nils being scared by oh I was spooked by some bats <laughs> I was like haha silly he's been spooked by some bats and I move forward and bats fly into my face and because it's in VR it's like it hits oh. you for real and I fell back into my chair oh, and then oh. everything just like went awry <laughs> and the camera broke and was <laughs> <laughs> I was spooked for real. Got me there, Miyazaki. <laughs> Couldn't scare me in Bloodborne, but you scared me in a cute fairy tale game. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if the elevator shaft was deliberately destroyed or if it was a result of the fire melting the cables and it fell down. As you follow the path away from the orphanage, you can see that, like, someone has put a lot of time into making sure that like this is not a safe path to go down there's a lot of damage up it's all it's all mm-hmm. deliberate yeah yeah and yet they continue because they're children with a sense of adventure <laughs> <laughs> they even bought picnic sandwiches with them that they <laughs> ate immediately oh they did they ate them before they even left the grounds is amazing <laughs> they're mean. It's so cute. Oh, but can I come? What happens next? Not so cute. It's not cute. No. Um. So you come out of the elevator shaft and you come out into what is essentially a graveyard. There's um a bunch of very old, untended tombs, sort of hanging out in this little mini graveyard. There are graves, and um, there's also a statue of an old man with a cat. Mm-hmm. which we can't really see because it's so dark and we can't turn mm-hmm. up the brightness at all in the game. God damn it, like... <laughs> <laughs> Just turn up the camera, god damn it. Yeah. Um, but um, the um, older kids, as in Lawrence, Herman and Marie, they go on forward, leaving Nils and Rosa behind. Mm-hmm. Which, god Kids, don't split up. Haven't you ever seen a horror movie? Don't split the party. They've never 
done they've never played a D D campaign, obviously. <laughs> no, they shouldn't split the shouldn't split the party ever. Even um, though they've got a player's handbook. But yes. They do have a player's handbook. Do we want to I talk about that or do you wanna Okay, so I spent hours transcripting this the other day. Um Nils is reading a book um very early on in the game. And uh, he's essentially researching on a way to cure Rosa's damaged leg. And um, if you actually peek over his shoulder, because you don't get a description text of what he's reading, um, it's basically a D&D player's handbook where it talks about uh, status effects and wet dreams. Yeah. For some reason. Oh, yeah, on the <laughs> second page, yeah. which, can I cannot, vodka hasn't managed to, to, um, to sort of like, you know, see what it says i am like 99.9 percent certain that there's a plant in there that gives you 20 percent resistance to wet dream i'm not kidding here really it it pretty clearly i think it does actually say that this is not like a weird misreading really like the text does seem to actually say resist wet dream <laughs> okay yeah my <laughs> My theory is like it's been translated from Japanese and wet dream is something else that it's just been translated as wet dream for some reason. It's written as though like it's it's a tabletop role playing game like it mentions like resistances and stuff and I'm pretty sure they've grabbed that they probably grabbed the text from something and just really quickly translated it. Cuz you're not you don't seem you're not supposed to read it from what I can see it's just like filler text. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> they, they must know. I, mean, I think Ellie, uh, Lacey and I were talking about this last night. They must know that the ca- the players like to fuck around with the camera and try and see things that we're not supposed to see in Soulsborne games. So maybe they put that in there as like a little, hey, look, look at this, we'll be put in here for you. Like uh, <laughs> how to pick up fair maidens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they must know that we're like staring at every possible pixel their games have to offer in search of the law, the deep law, so that we can shout at each other about on it on about on Reddit. You know. They they know we're doing that, but they also leave a floating statue in old Yana. <laughs> I love that they patched that game and they never took it out. No, they patched it in. That's the worst part about it. It's not there normally. And they actually added it. They took away the sweet lighting system and they gave us a weird floating statue. <laughs> hey guys, we're sorry. Here, have this floating statue, which is going to make every one of y'all go crazy. <laughs> Everyone gets frenzy upon looking at it. Like, what the hell? What is the meaning? Um, um, before we move on, I, there's one point I wanted to point out about the the little graveyard area. It's uh, is it padlocked? I think it's padlocked shut and um, yeah. they must have a key to open it. And it also has two cat statues on the plinths on either side of the gate. And um, that's a pretty big uh, yeah. hint that cats yeah. repel one of the first things they, uh, yeah. fairies and bad things. Cause, yeah, um, one of the first things they, they explain to you in the game is that as a fairy, you can't mm-hmm. pass by a cat. And they they are able to use the cat to just block your passage through certain areas. Mm-hmm. So when you come out into Rob's forest, you see these cat designs everywhere to sort of, mm-hmm. I guess, ward off the fairies. They're also on top of the building itself. Like the school itself has cat weather vanes. And I wonder if that's like another deterrent. It's like, hey, look, no, no fairies allowed. Do not interact. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think they nick it off the roof, don't they? Because I know one of the statues is broken. It's fallen off its plinth. And one is... Um, still there and you can interact with it yeah it's very um, like it's it's clearly been there for a very long time mm-hmm. um so when we interact with nielsen rosa because they're the ones that have been left behind by the um the older kids um do we give Nil- oh yeah we give nielsen's glasses back and that lets him see uh something hanging around in the woods mm, something as I'm um, not just something, but but it's someone. No, um, no, no. I've kind of like, you know, looked that way when I was playing, and it's the quote-unquote evil fairy. It's like mm-hmm. kind of like you know, um, we can see it p- 
passing and to kind of like him and to kind of like him some extent so can Rosa and Nils, which I think is really strange but hey ho well the way they describe it is they they just see something moving whereas when we see the fairy we see like the full outline of it mm. and I think it's similar to like we as a fairy they can't see us but mm. we can interact with objects and they can see that mm-hmm. so I'm guessing they saw like some like the the leaves rustle or something mm-hmm. but we actually can see like our opposite is sort of hanging around there it's very jarring because I think it's the first time we actually see something moving outside of time. Because um, usually the the characters will move around in their little set piece and then time will freeze again and that's when we're free to move around again. But then we see this uh, fairy messing around in our our space, like our out of time where things aren't supposed to move. And then we follow the kids because they obviously get bored of being left behind because they're kids. So they um they decide to follow the older kids past the the um mm. the graveyard, and they end up climbing through this really dangerous cliff. And you pass the the bridge that Richard mentioned earlier, the the trashed bridge, the one that looks like the one in Arendelle. And and then um, after the bridge, we come across Lawrence, who is currently um, crumpled mm-hmm. on the ground holding a white cat which which like you know we've never seen this white cat before yeah but of course we do find out about the white cat later and where it came from mm-hmm. and then can i come after lawrence we find we find um what is it we find after lawrence I, um i think it's uh nils find a yeah. um wilted flower and whatever Remains of Nels, which is like his clothes, his glasses, and the charm on his breast. You, you also find, yeah, you also find the book about um, transferring lifespans between living things. We just have to tell you a clue you've been what's happening in case you missed the previous stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I was really confused at first when I come across that part, and I was like, "Why is he taking his clothes off?" It's freezing. What do you that? do, you stupid child? <laughs> like, Uh-oh. Oh, no, she doesn't realise what Uh-oh. happened yet. <laughs> Something's gone wrong. She doesn't realise what's happened yet. Yeah. To be fair, it's never mentioned previously that uh, when a fairy... It's never even mentioned that fairies eat people in that respect. Like, um, up until this point, fairies are like these cute little fairy tale creatures that like interact with the children and grant wishes and move stuff around and poison the children with weird herbs. Um, but then you get out here and it's like, oh, fairies eat people? Oh, okay, dot JPEG. <laughs> it's kind of set it up before then because we're able to transfer life between. Like, there's a part where we take a snake and remove the life from that mm-hmm. and use it to resurrect a mouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is, it's sort of pushing toward, like, oh, okay, you can do this with people as well. Mm-hmm. And, mm. um, in a sense, the way that we take time is different in the way to which the evil fairy takes time. It's because, like, um, when we, the fairy, take time, we leave something behind, aka a shriveled up corpse, mm-hmm. and kind of like you know, I'm at the evil fairy when like um, when like um, mm. okay. So I'm gonna say he because it's pretty implied that the evil fairy was once once a human male. Um, um, he takes absolutely yeah. everything except the clothes because mm-hmm. clothes. I think it's mentioned as well that um, the evil fairies in Rhone took everything except for the clothes. I think it's mentioned in um, the fabled city of Rhone that all that was left of people was their clothes. Yeah, it's a city where we find out basically everything vanished. There was this spate of vanishings until like the the survivors just fled and founded the orphanage where the game starts. Okay, so the second mention of Ron is like um, a wee bit further into this Rob's Forest section, 
and which of course the children meet a old man with like a cane and of course the white cat that we saw Lawrence holding earlier and like um and like um uh, they went into his cabin and then and then uh, the old man Lawrence and Herman went out to get some firewood and and yes, some bad things happened, and uh, the old man got num 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 numbed by the evil fairy, and and of course it leaves behind his clothes, but also a book which is his journal. Yeah, the journal is. I want to say it's unique. It's um, I don't know if it's due to the game's restraints constraints, but um, it has a lot more text in it that we can read then is available then when you press the description button. So um, we spent quite a long time tra- transcribing yes. it. <laughs> a very long time. It <laughs> uh, has a lot of hidden lore. Mm-hmm. And now, like, um, when we press square, the piece of text that comes up first is... Take it away, Vodka. This is the old man's notebook, a diary entry from a few days earlier. The cat hisses. There's a fairy that lingers yet, the insatiable fiend. When is it going to leave? I'm sure it would depart if fed, if enough time, but who would be willing to make such a sacrifice? The cat still hisses. There's one last fairy out there, the insatiable beast. It thirsts for more. When is it going to leave? There are no lives left for it to claim, not in this whole bloody forest. The cat hisses. It seems a fairy has come. Why would it visit this site of vanishings unless there was little trace of our stop across this whole land? These woods are no different. There is no man but I, and no beast but my cat. Just take your fill of time and do your filthy deeds elsewhere. A pox on this mad spectre of Roan. So I think that's the second time that Roan is brought up, and it's the old man cussing out uh, this remnant of Roan that seems to be tracking down um people from Rhone very specifically. It looks like that, yeah. 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 Um we had a debate as to whether uh Lacey and I as to whether it was um the evil fairy deliberately targeting people from Rhone and like from the school itself or whether it was just because they're the closest um geographically speaking um in its area to eat and then it moved on into the forest. But um, it seems to be targeted, judging by other texts yeah, that yeah. we find later mm. on in the game. Yeah. Um, after that, um, there is a third mention of Roan, which basically explains what Roan is all about. Yeah. And it's like a big wham moment that says, okay, this is what Roan were doing. And um, it wasn't very good. Uh, so it's, it's like a pamphlet, basically. It, yeah, like a almost like a political pamphlet, like a call to arms for the um, the scholars of Rome. All the evil things I did. Txt. <laughs> yeah. So fairy utility is a like we said, it's like a faded kind of old manuscript, and you find it in the cabin belonging to that man who knows about Rome. It says. Fairy Utility. Herein are five reasons to raise the Golden Wand and open infinite horizons. So the Golden Wand is the thing we're given at the start of the game that allows us to take time and give time as a fairy. So we're immediately getting like, oh, okay. This is connected. This Roan is connected to all this fairy stuff. And there's a design, like the Roan sort of seal. It sort of looks like a caduceus. And, um, that's a symbol that we've seen before, so we sort of understand. Okay, this is this is all this Rhone stuff. It's all connected. On the bottom of the uh, front page, it says, "To those who possess the will to correct history's mistakes, read on. Justice is that which is born of resolve." And it's signed uh, Nicholas Uspiansky, who is a, a character that we're gonna we. It's um. A situation where, like, no one is is outright identified as that, but we sort of find out by reading probably was. 
And um, the note about correcting the mistakes of history is going to play into it later on. And then the the back of the book is and says, my deepest and most exalted thanks to the great fairy academics who came before and to my dear fellows of Rome. And then look at the spines. I have a photo of a spine. Oh, no, the spine just says fairy utility. Oh, and, and there's, there's the, the text we get from actually examining it. A puzzling passage. The moment we become fairies with our golden wands, the world becomes a place of endless possibility. Mistakes of the past will be undone, and the future will only hold what is right. What on earth are we waiting for? My Ronian colleagues, I say again, what on earth are we waiting for? Yeah, this guy sounds like a madman. <laughs> Getting real Mikalash vibes from uh, this dude. <laughs> Especially yeah. as Mikalash and Nicholas are... Um, they are essentially the same name, aren't they? Yeah. That's another one yes, of Miyazaki's OCs. <laughs> Rerolled <laughs> into a slightly different AU. <laughs> Miyazaki-san, you've already done this with Bloodborne. Yeah, but this is different. This one's different, okay? <laughs> this one has fairies in it. This one has Herman instead of German, and Lawrence is spelled with a C. And Marie. And then not Ooh. Maria. Marie. Different. Marie. Yulia. Not Yuria. <laughs> okay, the photograph of one, two, three, four, five people who are scholars of Rhone. Uh, I'm pretty sure, what does the back say? I forget. It says, in Rhone gathered around the golden one. Yeah, so we've got five scholars, and they are bookended by two characters, each carrying a cat, a mm. white cat, um, which is pretty re- relevant, mm. and a black cat. Yes, um, yeah. Which is mm-hmm. also pretty relevant. They are characters that we have met before. So from left to right, we, and this is all conjecture, we don't actually get their names, but um, we have the old man and his white cat, who we think is Carl, but we're not sure. Well, I guess we should point out that it's an old photograph. So when we say the old man, he mm-hmm. looks like he's maybe like 30-ish at this point. Yeah, yeah. the young man. Yeah. <laughs> the young man and his, his suspiciously long-lived cat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, so there's the old man slash young man, um, a character who isn't named, who we assume... We have a theory that it is a character called Abigail, who only... Which we only see mentions of in, like, the tutorial notes, in which they are signed with her name. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but, like, um, we also have a theory that um, she is the guiding voice that's been guiding us since the start. Yeah. And who pushed us to take the Red Ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a process of elimination thing because we ne- we we get notes from Abigail. We know that there's a character called Abigail who existed, who was one of the Ronian scholars. We never see her, but then we do see this woman in a photograph with the other four, who we can kind of identify. So, the process of elimination. That's probably Abigail. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, after that, in the center uh, is uh, an older man. He's quite a bit older than the rest of them by yeah. the looks of it. He's got like a white beard. Yeah. Um, he's holding a fairy wand and he's standing over a bundle that we could not identify until the last hour. (laughs) (laughs) We've been staring at it for months and it's only just clicked as to what it might be. Uh, We think this is Nicholas himself who wrote Fairy Utility, just by process of elimination, the same with Abigail. Because he, yeah. Well, also because he he seems to be the one who's in charge. Mm Mm-hmm. And fairy utility is his big call to arms to start doing all this fairy research. So it makes sense he would be the leader of this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, after that is a character uh, is the headmaster who we should recognize if we found the photograph of the headmaster as a younger man holding uh, Rosa as a baby, we would recognize him here. It's also like 
every character in Derasane has an item that's associated with them. And with the headmaster, it's his glasses. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that it's a, a man with glasses, mm-hmm. even if you haven't seen that photo, does tip you off that that's probably the headmaster. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And the same yeah. outfit as well. I'm pretty sure he's still wearing his yeah. Rome gear, like a suit underneath yeah. the... Did we ever find out what that was called? It's just like a a choir garb type thing. I've forgotten what it's called. <laughs> choir garb. <laughs> Bloodborne reference. <laughs> um, was there a word? I can't remember. They're like the little white robe thing that they're all wearing. Mm. Um, yeah. And then finally there's Margareta standing next to him holding who we assume to be Tia. Tia, Tia. the cat. And... Um, Margareta doesn't seem to have aged between this photo and the photo that we find of her earlier in the game. And uh, the kind of like thing is, um, um, can I um, compare to the other pictures that we have of her? She's not smiling at all. No, she looks quite serious there. Um, Do we want to talk about how... Um, there's this distance thing. I mean, it's yes. it's like a symbolism thing and it probably doesn't mean anything, but um, the fact that they're both bookended by the two characters who have distant them, distanced themselves mm. the most from the happenings in Rhone. Um, ma- the old man basically became a hermit, uh, ran away from everything, doesn't want anything to do with Ron- Rhone. And on the far right, we've got Margareta, who is absolutely against um any more fairy research especially involving mm. children i just think it's um a neat little positioning of the characters especially also they're holding cats which is to like ward off fairies and they're like yeah we don't want anything to do with fairies anymore do, do you want to talk about uh tia the cat's weirdly long life but possibly not <laughs> yeah yeah um um yeah well i will get to that but First, uh, we've got to talk about um, what we think the bundle in the middle of the table the mystery yes. bundle okay. could symbolise or what could be. Sim, what do you think it is? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I, I remember when, when we first played it, you thought it was food. Did I? It does look like a you giant You thought it was mushroom. a giant bun. Oh, a giant bow bun. Ooh. Oh, maybe yeah. a giant dumpling. Oh. It yeah. could be. Yeah, I think Casative said it might be like a mushroom because mushrooms have like a, a connection to From Software games. Yeah, <laughs> they're prevalent everywhere. Um, but um, we realised in the half hour before we started the podcast that um, it's most likely a bundle of someone's clothes who was either turned into a fairy or who was eaten by a fairy, and um, that is representing a former yeah. colleague. Because you can see that, like, they're on this table that's about the right size to lie someone on. And then he's got um, the central figure has the wand directly above this bundled up robe. So it looks very much like this is sort of proof, proof of his experience. I would say that the table's quite small for an adult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. the size of a, a child. Unless that's just like a little presentation table, and we don't want to go there. It's well, just it's, like, there's this neat little table. Yeah, it's Miyazaki. <laughs> Definitely not child size. Yeah, this here's the child sacrificing <laughs> pedestal. Oh dear, that there's the child sacrificing pedestal. <laughs> oh dear. Um. Yeah, because um, we were looking at the texture right, okay. of this thing, and we're like we realised that it has exact same texture as the um, the white shifts that um, the other scholars are wearing. So, Occam's razor, it is a pile of clothes. Uh, yeah, and there's there's sort of we can't think of any other reason you would have this strange white blob on a table. Yeah. Um. Is there? I don't think there's another mention of Rhone except for the letter. I don't think there's another reference to Rhone specifically, but there are references to the Uspiansky family, which is the author of that book. Um, the book is Nicholas Uspiansky, isn't it? 
Yeah, so you find out more about Nicholas Spian's early life in these books that when you first encounter them, they seem like they're works of fiction. Mm-hmm. They're yes. called like Nicholas and the Forest Animals. And then it, it it's if you read them, it talks about this boy called Nicholas who went into the forest, presumably Rob's forest, and became fascinated with like life essence. Mm-hmm. And presumably that that is the early life of the Nicholas Ospiansky, who we who ended up writing this book because from a very young age he was obsessed with the idea of like life essence and ways to transfer it. He goes from his garden into his for- into the forest, and he becomes obsessed with like larger and larger animals. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He started with another book as well, the garden animals as well. Yeah, so there's two books. So, yeah, so you can you can assume from that that the references to the garden probably Roan, and the forest mm-hmm. is Rob's forest. Yeah, there is um, also this character named Carl, who is also part of that family. Yeah, but unfortunately, we don't hear much about him. Do we think the the old man in the cabin is Carl? Um, I mean, there's not many other characters it could mm. be. I mean, he could just yeah, be an yeah. old man that happens to be part of the photo. I mean, he could be another character that's never named. But the fact that we've yeah. got this list of names and we've got this list of characters who... And the numbers match up uh, by process of elimination. Theoretically, he is Carl. I'm, I'm trying to remember, but it, do they specify that Carl is younger than Nicholas at some point? Mm, I can't remember, honestly. I can't even remember the... This is terrible. We're coming on a podcast. We're supposed to remember all this stuff. I can't remember the reference that Carl is referenced. Hold on. I Hold think on. it's a book. Yes. Which is one of the books in the library is, is Carl Ospiansky is the author. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Fairy Fundamentals, which I've got the text for. Would you like me to read it? Yes. Fairy Fundamentals. Be- this is a book that is hidden right at the top of the library, and you can find it quite early in game. Um, and it's a big hint that... Um, something a little bit sinister is going on. A puzzling passage. To study fairies, a life close to children is ideal, as the creatures commonly appear in such places. To harness their power and engage in the trading of time amongst living things, simply have a child make a wish. Fairies are quite hesitant to ignore such entreaties. Yeah, that's a book that's like really stashed yeah. away out of access to the children unless they went looking for I it. I think actually that's the reason I'm saying Carl is the son is because that seems like it's developed out of what Nicholas did. Because I think the idea to use children mm-hmm. is something that comes later because they realize if you turn an adult into a fairy, they become very predatory. So they start experimenting on children, mm-hmm. which is essentially where the, the orphanage boarding school comes from. So I think Carl must have come after Nicholas. So it would make sense if he was the yeah. old man, yeah. I wonder how old the uh, headmaster is then, because he seems to be just a little yeah. bit younger than Well, it's Nicholas. weird because, like, the headmaster and presumably the old man, they look much younger than we meet them in-game, but then Margareta looks pretty much the same age in her photograph. She has good moisturizer. Don't judge her. <laughs> you never know. Maybe she looked like really ragged. It's possible. Maybe yeah. she like did herself up for that photo. She should look really good. Like nice foundation. Like I'm um, speaking of characters who never seem to age. Um, there is a photo of like um, the children when they first came to the orphanage. Uh, Yulia. It's because she looks pretty much the same as she does well, in she's, the game. She's been. Also, Yulia has been preserved. Like she dies. Yeah, so maybe don't age if you're embalmed. Mm-hmm. We don't know how long she's actually been dead as well. Like it could be a year, it could be two years, it could be. Five I think years. it's been one year. Yeah, seems. Yeah, oh no, yeah, because we meet her when she's actually alive, don't we? And then we jump forward a year. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it it does this thing where you you meet her and then it 
looks like it jumps forward a day, but it actually jumps forward to that day the following year mm-hmm. without telling you. Yeah. It's very convoluted. Time is Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the final mention of Roan, I think, is the letter, the unopened letter. And you don't get that until right at the end of the game. Uh, and it's written from Nicholas Uspiensky. Uspens- get the pronunciation right. <laughs> I don't want to anger Sin. <laughs> Sin made me pronounce it correctly because I was saying Uspiensky. It's, like, it's Uspiensky. Actually, you're pronouncing it wrong, Richie. It's Uspiensky. Uspiensky. Without the little I, you know, you don't say Uspiensky, you just say Uspiensky. Uspiensky. Yeah, there Uspiensky. we go. Yay, who did it? <laughs> yeah. Also, you have a little, to add a little thing in the end, so it would be like, Uspiansky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> how to learn how to say this character's name with Sin, <laughs> Richard, Vodka, and Lisa. <laughs> Um, so this letter from Nicholas, I'm not going to say his second name because I <laughs> messed it up again, uh, is from the faculty of Rome on the occasion of your great venture. And it is addressed to a doctor, Louis Graves, <laughs> we've decided. And in this letter, which obviously the headmaster has never bothered to open, it's a really old letter. And I'm guessing it was sent not long after they set up shop in the old orphanage. Um, It's an old letter that says an old sealed letter that's been opened. My friends who took another path, let this music box be my gift to you. If the music box is the voice of a fairy, as stated in the fairy tales, then perhaps one day we'll have another chat, like the old days in the old school halls of Rhone. Here's my favourite no in the entire game because it's just so sassy. <laughs> it is kind of like um, a finely veiled threat towards them. Um, so earlier in the game, there's a music box that we can repair and we play alongside the children in that um, particular epoch. And there is a book that explains that um, music boxes are thought to be the voices of fairies. It's the way that they... Um, communicate directly with um living creatures by song so it seems like the music box at the school was gifted by uh nicholas to margareta and the headmaster when they first um set up in the orphanage slash former school and um, in this letter, he's basically implying that I'm going to turn into a fairy. And if I succeed, I'm going to talk to you via the music box that I've given you. And it is a thinly veiled threat that he's going to return as a fairy. And um, this ties back to um, a theory that Lacey and I have that he is deliberately targeting people who have abandoned Rhone and possibly. We, we're like, oh, this is just like Willem at Bergenworth, where he feels betrayed that um, these other scholars have basically pissed off to go and do their own thing and like do their own, re- own research instead of like staying behind to help him with his. And because they've divert- diverged, which was some pretty bad research. I mean, like, it depends on your definition of research, like turning in people into monsters. I had destroyed the entire town, vodka. No, like, <laughs> and it ruined the outside world. They know it. That's true. The outside world is devoid of life. Yeah. So, um, their justification at Rhone was basically: if we become fairies and we fuck up, it's okay because we can just uh, erase our mistakes by going back in time and changing things for the better. So we can go back and fix all of our mistakes. And it doesn't matter how horrible the steps we take are to get there, because uh, by the time we erase time, uh, it won't matter because we'll have, a, we'll have a rewound time, so it doesn't matter. 
So um, we go through like a similar step with Lawrence where it's like, okay, well, we've just taken Lawrence's time, but he's okay with it because he knows that we're going to go back in time to fix things. So theoretically, it never happened. Um, but the more we go back to fix things, the worse things get. And the more we try to change things, the more things change. And in the end, we end up just setting things back to square one um, to fix the status quo. Yeah, well, in the first loop where we try to fix things, it like, um, doesn't work. It's because, like, you know, even though we send no down at the river, something still happens. I think it's with a bird. What happens is the reason the children go out into the forest is that we resurrected little New the mouse. That gave them the idea that they could resurrect Yulia. So we attempt to avert that happening by going back and not not reviving little New. But because like history just sort of corrects itself, I guess. Even though we avoided that, that I guess we did this and we forgot about it, or we erased it from time or something, but instead a bird comes back to life. And that gives them the edge. There's kind of nothing Mm -hmm. we can do to avoid them, to avoid this from happening. We have to figure out some other way of doing it. Yeah. Because things are just going to like gently correct themselves with slightly different alterations until. And it's the same, like, if we give Nils Mm. different books, we can save him from being eaten, but in the end, they still get taken by the fairies. So the result is still the same. It's just like one less child has been been, um, consumed. Ah, before we go forward, did we actually read the um, description of the fabled city of Rome? Because I don't think we did. Oh, no, we didn't. <clears throat> Did we want to go back to that quick, or do you want to talk about... Yeah, let's go back. Okay, so we're going to go back a wee bit. Um, so going back to the book that we give Nils to warn him about um, the forest, one of them is called The Fable City of Rhone, and it's a description of an unsolved mystery. Then, within this quiet, old academic city, home to many a fairy tale, residents began to disappear, leaving only their clothing behind. The vanishings continued unabashed until Rome was burned down, its name all but forgotten. I think it's a series of books. There's Fabled City of Rome, Seaside Vanishings, and The Vanishings of Rob Forest. No, Seaside Disappearances. And then they're all basically the same thing. People are going out into the wilderness and they are just not coming back and all that people are finding are their clothes. And um, that ties into the whole debacle at Rome where everyone decided to become a fairy. Everyone decided to eat everyone else. And it just, everyone was like, no, we're going to fix our mistakes. So they eat more people. They cause more mistakes. So they eat more people. They cause more mistakes. And it just looped well out of control until they decided to burn the town. And of course, um, and of course, it just keeps on going on mm-hmm. until there's like almost um, no one that's left except for like, you know, the survivors in the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've essentially wiped out the local population. Yeah, pretty much. Extra. But it's like old Yarnum. They're trying to get rid of any source of life in there for the fairies to feed on and they'll yeah they'll fade out from time because they'll run out of a food source but then this one fairy who we assume to be nicholas just like no i'm gonna keep living out of spite (laughs) i'm gonna hunt you down (laughs) so yeah that's the i won't hesitate (laughs) (laughs) you were talking about me Rebecca, it's not what you think. <laughs> oh, no, now we're just quoting vines. We've got to stop. <laughs> That's a very dark path. We'll be here for hours. Um, so, yeah, that's the most direct reference to Rome as a city. And it basically describes, oh, yeah, it was an academic town full of scholars doing questionable things. And college students, the worst type of people says the college student. 
That was a discussion of Roan, a plot point of Deracine that is not really flagged up, but there's a lot to it if you go looking for it. So thank you to Vodka and Lacey, if you just want to mention your social media again so people know where to find um, you. So I am Vodka Foley is my art account on Twitter. I'm pretty much Vodka Foley everywhere. Um, Vodka Foley is my more casual account. And you can find me on Tumblr, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I'm also on DeviantArt under Vodka Foley as well. Um, my name is pretty much Astralace everywhere on Twitter, on like YouTube and all that. So yeah, come find me and see the glorious cursed content, the bald coin, shitposting, and maybe, maybe just a tiny wee bit of lore <laughs> on a leap year. <laughs> Every blue moon we talk about lore. <laughs> And we will talk about it for four hours non-straight, flood your timelines, and then we won't talk about it ever again for another six months. What about every red moon? (gasps) (laughs) No, that's when we go insane and start howling at the moon. Can't talk about lore if we're a wooing. And it's just how it is. No, that's that's when you get the number of gravestones in the hunter's dream and divide it by how often a lunar eclipse is. And then tell me that that's the canonical timeline of the game. And then when I say that the red moon is clearly like a weird thing that they summoned one time, you block me and unfriend me. And that's why I create account anymore. And that's why what? <laughs> that's why I don't have account anymore. Discord is censoring him. Because <laughs> <laughs> whenever you try to say Reddit, it just cuts you out. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't have a Reddit account anymore. <laughs> just robots use. That's why I don't have a account. <laughs> Lali Lou Lay Low. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>